Welcome to Talk Tennis, a podcast created specifically for you, the tennis fanatic. Join us each week as we work to elevate your game both on and off the court. We will deliver fresh episodes to keep you up to date with tennis trends and technologies, as well as exclusive interviews with industry experts, current and former pros, and so much more. Here's your host, Michelle. Currently at a career high ranking of number two on the ATP, today's guest has already won 11 ATP Tour titles, including three Masters 1000 tournaments and the 2020 ATP Tour Finals. Welcome to Talk Tennis with Tennis Warehouse, Daniel Medvedev. Thank you so much for joining today. Thank you. Thank you for uh, for telling who I am. <laughs> That's always nice to hear. Yeah, I mean, quite the accomplishment. And again, you're so entertaining to watch. Uh, mad respect for you. Like the weakest part of my game is my brain. And it seems like that's like the strongest part of your game. So I'm always respecting how you play and how you you work out there on the court. Yeah, well, I just, uh, you know, the for me, the, the most important thing, first of all, is to win. Then uh, there comes uh, different other things, but the first one is to win. So that's what uh, was always on my mind since I, were, I was young. Uh, so uh, let's put it this way. I was uh, carrying uh, uh, much, I am still carrying much less to, to make a twinner a winner <laughs> than to try to turn around the ball and I don't know, try to, to stay in the point and to win the point like this. Um, so that's how maybe I developed kind of uh, the tactics uh, that I used to, to actually try to win the game. Uh, they don't work all the time, which is completely normal. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm trying to do my best to to try to make it uh, as many times as possible. Well, and I wanted to talk about gear, but before we get into that, I've heard you're quite the chess player. And that's something that you're passionate about off the court. And we see that kind of mindset on the court. So can you tell me a little bit about that and like what you love about chess and how it became something that you enjoy? Well, now uh, I don't play chess uh, at all, I want to okay. say. And so I'm not good. When you don't <laughs> practice at something, you become not good at it. So I'm not good at all in chess uh, right now. Uh, but yeah, I liked, I liked chess when I was younger. I think I was quite a good player. I was, um, you know, going to, to a chess school from maybe for, for two years since I was five till maybe seven. So, wow. so I like this game. I like uh, the tactics about it. The only thing I know that uh, to play good, I need to play it every day. I need to learn, uh, yeah, some some tactics, some basics, um, which uh, I don't have time right now. And uh, I know that even if I start, I won't be good. So uh, that's why I don't play it anymore. <laughs> but uh, still, yeah, I like to I like to think that sometimes you can uh, use it on the tennis court. For sure. Um, so on this podcast, we love to talk to players about their gear and you have some awesome gear that you're out there with as your weapon of choice. So let's talk a little bit about Technofiber and the brand and how you came to start working with Technofiber. What was that relationship like? How did you start working with them? When was the first time you even picked up a Technofiber racket? First time I picked a Technofiber racket, I was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, 19 years old. Uh, no, I was 18 years old, uh, just uh, about to turn 19. And uh, they came with an offer because my contract with the previous brand was expiring. So I was thinking, uh, how do I continue my career? I was uh, 330 at the time. I think I finished the uh, year 331 or something, something around this. I was the end of uh, 2000. Um, 16, I would say, if I'm not mistaken, I might be. No, probably 2015. 
And uh, Tech and Fiber was, well, yeah, one of the brands that uh, showed the most um, interest, I would say, in me. So I was like, okay, I need to try the record. I need to see how it works out. And uh, I really liked the approach because straight away I made, uh, met um, the main, uh, how we can call it, the main coordinator between players and the brand. Um, he doesn't work there anymore, Guillaume Ducré, uh, uh, but uh, I really, uh, yeah, he's a really nice guy. And he, he kind of brought me to Tecta Faber, one of the guys also. And uh, I remember very well, first two tournaments uh, were, were challengers in Bangkok. And I was not playing that well. I won one round, but I was not playing amazing. And of course, straight away after you've been playing uh, with something for all your life, you start questioning yourself. So right. did I make the right choice? Is my career uh, going to be uh, good with this racket? Am I going to be, to be able to play good? And well, the year I started 330, so I had the top 10 questions in myself and I finished the year 98, which is a huge wow. uh, <laughs> progression. Yeah, and I was... Uh, I was not talked about in the media. I was not the, you know, how called the next gen and everything. Nobody cared about me, but I made a huge step. I think at the time when I finished top 100, I was maybe one of the five, six guys of my age who were there, which is, uh, which was really good, was really important to me. And uh, since that year, I mean, I love the record. I, I was playing amazing. Uh, completely honest, you can ask other junior guys. I had a huge problem on my forehand before. Like you could play on my forehand and you could win the match just by doing this. Um, and my backhand was really good. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, it might sound stupid or anything, but with Spectre Fiber Record, I, uh, I managed to, to play much better forehand. So it, uh, it was not anymore a weak point in my game. And that's how I managed to be in the top 100. And then it was only going up from there. And I still play with this record. And uh, I don't think I will ever change uh, during my career. Wow, I mean that's uh, that's awesome. I think that's uh, that's not many times I tell this story, so it's gonna be something new. That's always uh, nice to to give something new to to fans and to people who follow me. Definitely, <laughs> for sure. Our listeners love when players geek out about their gear, and obviously, you're a good one that knows what you're working with. And you've got the T five three hundred five RS in your hands out there right now. And something about your racket is a little bit different than a lot of rackets on tour that we've seen. It's that eighteen by nineteen string pattern. Can you talk to me a little bit about that string pattern? Why it works for you? Did you have input in asking for that, and how that came about? Uh, yeah, first of all, I don't know if there is any other record um, who's 18, 19 also. I'm not sure. Right. Um, because, well, I don't follow other brands, I do, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, the thing about this record is uh, that this record I uh, started using when uh, when I uh, came to Technofiber, and it has worked out well. And as a tennis player, you always try to find new things to try to improve my game. And at the same time, you, you try to maintain things that work good. And again, the record was something that worked good. So uh, it's a funny question. You never know. Maybe I would uh, use uh, 1820 and I would play even better, but I doubt so. So uh, I really like it. I think it suits well my, my flat strokes together with uh, uh, razor cord strings. Uh, it really suits my game, which uh, maybe will not suit uh, some Spanish player who spins <laughs> a lot and turns around with the forehand and plays on clay. Uh, but for me, it suits my game perfectly. And this 1819, I think, is really good uh, for flat strokes. I would agree. It seems to be working really well out there for you. And how would you describe your style of game? Because I so I watch you out there and I also hit very flat. But what you can pull off that I can't pull off is I go for like 
Well, you already talked about your main goal is winning and getting the ball back. Instead of hitting that crazy flashy shot, you're going to get the ball back. But you're on the run sometimes and you just hit these amazing shots that like seem unmakeable and you have the ability to make them. And I'm sure part of that has to do with your talent, your brain, but also your gear. So explain to me your style game and who who else kind of would benefit from this racket aside from just a flat hitter? Yeah, I mean, if we talk about my style of game, it's uh, it's a bit tough to talk because it depends the surface, it depends the opponent you play. I'm sometimes considered uh, as a defensive player, but to be honest, it's usually when I play uh, not good that I go into a defensive mode a little bit to to you know to try to hit more balls in the court and at least say okay, I maybe don't play good today, but you need to to win yourself to try to win the match because uh, that's when I feel that if I go for winners, I will miss. At the same time, when I'm feeling good, there are so many matches where I hit uh, more winners uh, than my opponents. So uh, and I go, I go full power and serve. I, I try to hit winners. I try to play aggressive. So I consider myself as uh, let's let's put it like this. I remember when there were tennis games. Uh, there is a sovereign volley player, big strokes player. I would say all around player. Maybe yeah. volley is uh, the part I need to work on. But if we <laughs> talk about baseline, all all court player, all round player. And uh, of course, that's what I'm working on practice with my coach. Uh, for example, a few years ago, um, we felt like, okay, I maybe I'm not master, but I try. I started to be good uh, in this defensive, counter-defensive style of play. So now we need to work on attacking more, uh, putting the pressure on the opponent to try to improve my game. And that's what we have been working on. Uh, we, we work a lot on the volley, even if uh, sometimes it's not uh, my best uh part of my game but I can be good at the net also so I'm trying to work everything and uh, I feel yeah pretty good about it awesome now let's talk a little bit about your string setup you mentioned razor code white is in your strings what tension do you string at around obviously you probably change it depending on your location and what surface and then do you have a routine when switching rackets like are you very particular about when you want fresh strings or do you kind of just know or tell me how it works for you yeah, I can be um, from one uh, side of you. I know players that are completely 10 times more crazy about strings and rackets than me, but I'm still somewhere in the middle or close <laughs> to this because, uh, so for example, I don't see the difference uh, if I string it, uh, let's say I usually string around 22 on 22 around this. So some players, I know some players, they would be like, they would touch a racket, uh, hit few balls and say, no, I need 21.9, 21.9. Yeah. This is not me. You give me 21.5, 22, I won't, I won't tell you the difference. I'll probably say the opposite. So this is not that important to me. I just know the what I usually use. And then I try to see, okay, I miss uh, a lot uh, in the deep. So I try to go uh, up with attention and small details like this. But where I'm special and i don't think there are many players who do it i'm able to play uh five setter without changing a record i don't change uh, the wow. record for fresh balls uh because i have in my opinion a special connection with the record i play and when i change it for another one with the new strings i might lose this connection um so uh out of three sets if i feel good i never change the record uh even on clay I, even on clay <laughs> i love that yeah. I, I that makes complete sense that's amazing yeah because on clay uh, when I practice uh, on hard courts, I would break strings probably once a week. 
Um, okay. So, you, and when other players can break three records uh, per day, the streams, I mean, not the records. Uh, right. But uh, <laughs> uh, that's why I said on clay, because on clay, well, even me, I would uh, probably uh, break strings uh, once in two days. So uh, that's, that's why I need to change more on clay. <laughs> Got it. Now, tell me about your... Uh, string bet a little bit more. Why does this string setup work for you? What are you looking for out of your string? So I personally am always looking for more control from my string bed. What do you need out of your string bed? Um, I like when my ball flies in there and that's what can be, uh, that's why I'm sometimes really dependent on the ball they give on the tournament because every tennis ball is so different. That's where you need to adapt your your strings and uh, it's, it's tough to explain. It depends on humidity, it depends everything. You just need to feel it. You just need to know what, uh, what, yeah, exactly, as you say, what you're looking for. So if we talk about me, I like when my ball flies in the air. Uh, so that's why I think uh, I try to, to to string quite low. Mm-hmm. I don't go um, under 20 usually, even if some players do. Also the players that like when uh, when their ball goes fast in the air. Uh, but yeah, I try to keep it quite low, as I say, 22, 21, something around this. So the ball comes out faster from my strings. Uh, and like this, I can control it, uh, control the, uh, where it goes more. Awesome. Makes sense. Let's talk a little bit about footwear. I know you've made a switch in shoes recently, and I actually was hoping to get a pair, but they sold out so fast. And I've heard so many great things about the Lacoste AG LT21 Ultra shoes. So talk to me about these shoes and how much you helped design them or if you got to test them as they were being created. Yeah, I mean, first of all, uh, it's very tricky to change shoes. So you are scared. As yeah. uh, as for the racket, as for everything, shoes is very important for a tennis player because movement is, uh, I think, uh, one of the most important aspects after maybe forehand and backhand. Uh, and still, we can uh, discuss it. Uh, <laughs> so far, I played only one tournament on hard courts uh, in these shoes, played on clay and grass, and I can say they were amazing, really. Um, I was really, you know... Uh, um, careful with what I was saying in the beginning because uh, you never know what's going to happen. Maybe in one week uh, something's going to happen and you're going to say, okay, maybe we need to change something. So I was really careful. Now I say it uh, out loud. I really like the shoe. Uh, seems, uh, yeah, feels amazing on the foot. Feels I still I still uh, run very good. I think uh, that's the most important part to see, you know, where <laughs> I'm not lying uh, about what I say. I still run pretty good on the court. Yeah, I feel good about it. And uh, it was, uh, I think, a tough job for Lacoste to make it because they uh, they were doing it for three or four years. They were developing the project of this shoe. Um, so one year ago, I kind of came uh, on board to to try to help them with uh, my knowledge. Of course, I don't know how to to build a tennis shoe, but I can help to say what I feel, uh, what I feel needs to be improved. So we were working together, and that's how I think we we built a pretty good shoe. Uh, after the most important thing is to ask uh, tennis fans, as you say, uh, they sold out. So we need to, to find these yeah. guys and ask, uh, what do they think? I really hope they like it because I feel pressure on, on my shoulders because of this. Well, I know you you do have pressure on your shoulders. And I know at the shoe you wore previously, a lot of other players also wore those shoes previously. And they're looking for a shoe to get into. So, uh, and you're one of the fastest, like best movers on tour. So I guess so far from what you've said, this is a good option. Do you prefer, if you had to pick speed over stability, do you have a, would you 
be able to pick one or you need both? Like what is the most important thing you need from your shoes? Well, you need both, but I would pick speed because I'm going to say like, okay, I'm going to work with my physical coach to try to be stable after I'm going to be uh, very strong mentally to, to, you know, to prepare myself to be stable and speed is the most important for me. Nice. I love it. And we see you pick up and just get to every single ball on the court. So obviously that makes complete sense. You said you've only worn them at one hard court tournament, but we're going into hard court season. How often do you uh, wear out your outsoles or you are rotating shoes all the time? Um, Outsoles, you mean uh, the things that you put inside? No, no, the bottom of the shoe. Ah, the bottom. I usually, because I slide on hard courts right. uh, more than I do on, on, on clay <laughs> or grass. Um, uh, it's uh, the inside part of the shoe that gets broken. Okay. And that's where we, we made a, a, a big job with Lacoste uh, because uh, hard courts nowadays are so abrasive. If it's yeah. uh, the, the right Maybe. word. So no matter what you do, you're not going to make a perfect shoe where you're not going to break it a little bit. But we, managed, we, we tried to make it as strong as possible. And so like this, I can maybe keep um, a new shoe for three matches on hard course, I would say. You can play in it all the tournament, but then it's going to get a little bit dangerous whether maybe something going to happen because we play in humid conditions. So the shoe gets wet, uh, we slide, the court is really strong. Uh, so I prefer, yeah, I usually change it uh, once in uh, in three in two three matches. But again, yeah, we we've done a good job to try to make it as uh, durable as possible. So I think uh, when I practice, I can play in one shoe for two weeks uh, easy. But awesome. it's just for the matches where you need to be sure that nothing's gonna go wrong. Definitely. Okay, let's do some fun questions. The Olympics are coming up. Yeah, let's go. Olympics are coming up. What are you most looking forward to? And talk to me about your camaraderie with your fellow Russian players. Well, everything. It's my first Olympics. Of course, it's going to be unfortunately a bit different from normal Olympics. We, We cannot see other sports. No people there. But it's still the first Olympics. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's going to be the first time I'm going to be in the Olympic Village. Uh, everything going to be for the first time to me. Uh, it's actually funny because it's going to be the first time we'll play doubles with Karate. I think we can make a good double. Maybe, of course, not the best in the world. But uh, <laughs> we can try to, to, to make some damage, if I can say like this. And I think uh, that's uh, the things I'm looking forward to the most. And, of course, uh, I'm there to, to try to win... Uh, a medal for the country in singles, uh, but it's going to be tough because there are amazing players there. Who else is on your team from Russia? Uh, we have a strong team. We have uh, me, uh, Rublev, Kachanov, and Karatsev. So it's a pretty strong team. It's not a Davis Cup. It's uh, it's an individual tournament, kind of. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think uh, the more Russians are going to be in the later stages, uh, the better. And it's pretty cool. It seems like you guys kind of all grew up together. So you've known each other for quite a long time and have competed alongside each other and against each other. So it should be, it should be awesome. Yeah. I always said uh, that me, Karen and Andre were same age. Andre is one year younger, but at one point it's, uh, it stops to make a difference. Uh, in my opinion, we always pushed each other to be better. Um, and, you know, in different uh, times of our careers, we were all number one in Russia at one point. I was for a long time, I would say, uh, really kind of behind them, really close, but behind them. And I always wanted to be to be number one. I think it's the same for uh, for both of them. Uh, and, you know, as I say, uh, right now I'm the number one, but Andre is pretty close. Karen maybe dropped his level a little bit, but made quarters in Wimbledon mm-hmm. going further than me and Andre. So it's all about this uh, competitivity where 
Of course, we care more about our results, even if there would not be Karnandri, I would try to be number two in the world. I would try to make great results and everything, but it helps. This, uh, this competition helps and we are also great friends, so we can spend a lot of time together. After the match, we're not going to, you know, not talk uh, with each other for yeah. one week because this is tennis and it helps because tennis is a, is a lonely sport. It's true and it helps to have some friends around you like this. Well, and that's what I wanted to ask you too, is like, how do you combat a bad day? Like, you're just not interested. Something bad happened off the court. Like, how do you move forward? Everybody does it differently. Uh, I can say my way because I, I, I don't hide it. Uh, I take tennis really seriously. Uh, I try to do my best, but I also understand that there is life without tennis. So, for example, let's talk about last loss I had against uh, Uber Urkash. Um, I felt like I was on top of him in the first day. Then we got postponed and literally I couldn't do anything to the next day to try to stop him. He played good. I didn't play good enough. Was very disappointing because the day before I felt like I had to win in three sets. I didn't manage to do it. And the next day I'm uh, sitting in the locker room understanding that, okay, Wimbledon is over for me where I had big hopes. Um, I need to, to take my tickets back home. That's uh, the tough part. But I also understand that this is a sport, you know, uh, watch football. It's the same for everybody was talking. France is going to win Euros 5-0 against everybody. Well, they didn't even come to quarters. So it's same in every sport. Uh, I try to do my best every time I'm on court. Of course, I'm disappointed for some time after the match, but I try to really fast regroup and say, okay, there are going to be more tournaments, more slams coming. I'm going to try to do my best. I'm going to try to win it. And even if I don't, I did my best. I I have life outside of tennis. Uh, I enjoy life. And that's how uh, I am able after uh, one week uh, talking to you and uh, yeah. being in a good mood. We're not crying. I need, I, I need, yeah, I need to be honest. There are some players that I'm not able to do it. And I think that's really tough. So I try not to be this stuff. <laughs> I love, I absolutely love how authentic you are. And you're someone that every time I listen to you speak, it just, it really resonates because you're, you're saying exactly how you feel. It's very, it sometimes it's very emotional. I just watched the uh, speech you gave at the Australian Open final this year, and <laughs> you were so kind to Djokovic and you just always kind of have this way of speaking exactly what you think. And I love that. So I, I have to imagine you have such a great team around you. Talk to me a little bit about how they, you know, help you on these tough days and how you just kind of remain authentic, especially in a time where players are hiding from the tough stuff. Well, I'm hiding also some things. That's, uh, that's, you know, that's why I try to talk uh, only about the things I can be honest about. And if it's a question where I can't, for different reasons, it can be sponsors, it can be a modern world where we cannot say all what we think. Uh, and uh, these questions, I just uh, ignore them and go to the next one. Uh, but I want people to know uh, who I am. Um, and the funny thing is that <laughs> on tennis court, uh, sometimes I'm not who I am actually in, uh, in real life. Uh, it's different. There is some uh, sport... Um, character and attitude that comes out of me which is of course part of me as a sportsman but as a sportsman not as a person and that's why in the speech and everything I think people can be like well that we didn't think he's like this but uh, that's the difference of me as a sportsman on court and I, I, I separate these two positions uh, and me in life uh, laying on the sofa or whatever and yeah talking about my team uh, for already a long time I have the same team around me um 
I won't mention everybody, but uh, they are the big part of my success. Without them, I would not be where I am. Uh, they're all French, except, of course, my family and my wife. Um, all the tennis part of the team is, uh, is French. Yeah, I can speak French, so it helps. And uh, yeah, not, not much more to add that they're the most professional guys uh, I know in my life. When I say it is that they, they do their best to try to to help me reach the highest level because, of course, it's uh, kind of, yeah, let's put it this way. I'm the car and they are the engine <laughs> and the constructors of the car. And, well, if the car is bad, it's not going to help. Yeah. Uh, but if, the, if the, engine, the car is good, but the engine and the constructors are not good, it's also not very efficient. So that's how I see it. And uh, I'm happy with my team. Uh, not much to add. Uh, if I would not be happy, I would not be with them. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's it's kind of fun that your team is all French and also your sponsors are French. So yeah, yeah, like this is a yeah, big part of my life is, uh, is French. And the, well, what is funny, I speak French and my wife speaks French. So yeah, probably uh, France is a second country uh, in our blood. Let's call it like this. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, what has been the most meaningful title for you? I need to be honest, every title starting from juniors was really meaningful to me in a different ways but if we talk um, about big titles i would mention of course london atp finals uh, being the top three in the world uh, no all top three was uh, was just a special feeling and i want to mention Shanghai because it was a tournament where i just came from a crazy u.s series where i made uh, finals of washington finals of montreal one since C made US Open final. And so kind of after this result, you can say, okay, I'm a top player. I can play good against anybody. But still, I just I just came to this level and you're never 100% sure what's going to bring to you next, the life in tennis. And so Shanghai was like one month after and I managed to win it. It was my second master title. And this gave me, gave me even more confidence, uh, more boost of confidence where it kind of reassured me that, okay, I'm, I actually can do this. And so uh, it has a special place in my heart. And I really like the city. Uh, I played the Challenger there once. And it was my best result in Challenger at the time. And I had a, some good time in Shanghai. And I really love the city. Awesome. And it seems like you start catching fire around the U.S. Open Series, hardcourt swing, and that's <laughs> coming up. Let's go. Do you think there's any connection to maybe growing up on the fast Russian hardcourts and the U.S. Open swing or just kind of works out that way? Any, any reason why you think you do so well during this time of year? First and main important reason is uh, the temperature, uh, the conditions and the courts. It's humid, it's hot, uh, and it's fast. Of course, but not too fast. Like it's not <laughs> terrible or whatever. So it suits my game perfectly. I really like to play in USA. Always loved. It's very tough physically because it's super hot at this time in Cincinnati. You can basically feel like you are dying on the court. And everybody. Yeah. Uh, so it's not tough. It's not easy physically. After the match, sometimes after even the match you won, you are like, wow. I don't think I'm gonna go out tomorrow. I just can't anymore. But for my game, it suits perfectly. So I will be always uh, looking forward to, to the US Open series, to the US Open itself, especially uh, after, uh, you know, the run ahead. Last year, there were no crowds. So I'm really looking forward to playing with the crowd and uh, seeing how it's going to go. I, I hope it's, uh, it's going to be amazing and uh, fire like always in New York. Yes, I know. I'm excited and everyone's going to be excited to watch and tune in. Last question. Is there anything on your bucket list, tennis related or otherwise? 
I like to travel. Um, I think I have a lot of things in bucket list, but uh, first thing that comes to my mind is I like to travel. I've never been to to South America yet, so that's one of the parts. And I think a lot of places in the world where I wanna I wanna be at least once, uh, which is not easy with the with the life of a tennis player. And then probably I'm gonna have kids. Uh, they they're gonna <laughs> go to school or whatever. So I won't be able to 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 take uh, one year where I'm gonna say okay, I go all around the world, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I want to try to find time to visit new places. Um, and if I have to choose one, let's say I need to choose one uh, on the bucket list. I want to say Antarctica. Oh, or, uh, okay. I, I don't know in English, uh, the South Pole, basically. I don't know in, That's awesome. in Russian, it's Antarctida, but I don't know uh, um, in English, it's probably Antarctica. Antarctica but I, yeah, yeah. I want to go on South Pole and uh, uh, just uh, see how it is there. Because, uh, well, I know that uh, they make it so... <laughs> That's so cool. And I have to say, they wanted me to start by giving you a Russian phrase, but I am horrible at saying anything in another language. So I ch- I didn't do it for your sake. No worries, no worries. But thank, you, <laughs> but thank you so much for joining me, Daniel. This was such a fun chat and I appreciate you taking the time on your busy day, getting ready for all the things, all your trainings and everything else. And we are wishing you all the luck with everything coming forward to you and hopefully you get to Antarctica, the South Pole very soon. I'm so excited for that too. That sounds awesome. So thank you so much for joining. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for the interview. It was super fun. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you download your episodes and be sure to visit our websites for all of the tennis deals at tenniswarehouse.com, tenniswarehouseeurope.com and tennisonly.com.au. Hope you enjoyed this episode and until next time, happy hitting.